0: Young people, you are dismissed very quietly. Let's make our way out to Junior Church. We're so glad to have Pastor Boyd Stansford with us this weekend, or this morning at least. And uh, he's in town for the... Let's, let's quietly go, young people. All right. All right. Either door, just go quickly. Okay. All right. I'm just going to wait a second. All right. A lot of children here this morning. It's wonderful to see the buses Filling back up again and praise the Lord for that. Wow, it's good to have this answered. We've, uh, last Sunday... Uh, Pastor and Mrs. Stansford and his family celebrated the 20th anniversary of Heritage Baptist Church in Marystown, Nova Scotia, or Newfoundland. And uh, we're thankful that uh, they've been there faithfully serving. And they want to give a report as they're here, or he's here for the pastors' conference. Good to have his daughter Amy with us as well. She's at Faithway Baptist College. And let me tell you a couple stories about them, real quick, if I could. I know that uh, I don't want to cut into his time too much. And uh, when I first met Brother Stansford, he uh, we we got to know each other at a couple pastors' conferences, and then he invited me to come out and preach at his camp and he says you know I met Brother Fury out in British Columbia at the pastor's conference and we got to know each other then last year in Ottawa got to know him a little bit better and so I asked him to come and preach this camp he says but I've never heard him preach I preached both those conferences and so I guess that's his nap time so now is my nap time so praise the Lord and uh, when I was at that camp though um we were sitting on a bench talking, and Amy came up, and she was only about fifteen or so, and she was tired, and you know how girls get when they get tired. Sometimes get a little emotional, and, and she was just run down from the week, and and uh, I got a phone call, and she said, "Who is that?" To her dad, and uh, it was the consulate of Peru, the consulate of Peru calling from Peru, and Caesar was renewing his passport, his Peruvian passport, so they called me for a reference. And it just came up on there, Peru. And so he said to his daughter, he says, oh, that's the president of Peru. He never saw my phone. Of all the countries in the world he could have picked, he said, that's the country of Peru. And she said, well, why is Peru calling? Why is the president of Peru calling him? And he goes, well, he says, they're extraditing Brother Fury. He's actually a Peruvian citizen. And, and so she says, well, he's awful white. And he says, well, when you have four kids, it just sucks the color right out of you. And so she, she, is so, she was so gullible when she was young, I don't know if she still is, that she, she, she believed him, everything. Then I got off the phone and he says, who was that? And I said, it was Peru. And she started bawling. <laughs> when do you have to leave, Brother Fury? <laughs> she was so scared. And so I couldn't believe it. And he never let her off the hook the whole time. I had to finally tell her, no, I don't know what your dad's talking about. It's crazy talk, but anyway, we've had a lot of fun over the years, but we're glad to have them. And so brother, he's going to come and give us a little bit of an update and then share with us from the word of God this morning. I got to get situated here first.
1: I'm going to, I got to move that because I'll kick it over and uh, can I lay, is there something I can lay my water on? that's going to get your fancy pulpit. That's what you said last time. I get my own water now because I have those kind of friends. That I went and found a freshly unopened bottle of water because I don't trust. He said, "Oh, I'll get you one." I went, no, I'll get my own. Thanks. <laughs> it's a privilege to be here today. I, uh, I'm very thankful to be at this church. Uh, you have supported us faithfully for many years. We came here on deputation in 2002, and your church took us on for support. And uh, you have been supporting us ever since, and I've been looking forward to the chance to get here and say thank you. It's only taken me 20 years, (laughs) and uh, I appreciate it so much. And we're going to go through some pictures as quickly as we can uh, just to give you a little, I guess, an overview of what you have invested in over the last 20 years and to say thank you. And then uh, we'll get into uh, God's Word uh, this morning and uh, try to share some thoughts with you. Uh, I'm still on Newfoundland time, so it's lunchtime for me already. Someone said to me this morning, if the world ends, you'll be there waiting for it. I said, no, if the world ends, it happens first for us. You're all just used to watching CBC that says a half an hour later in Newfoundland. It's got you conditioned to think we're behind. That actually means we're ahead of you because it's it's, uh, going from one o'clock there. So like we celebrate New Year's at 12 o'clock and I go to bed. And you're still waiting for New Year's. We're ahead of you. So just clear that up because it's a sticking point for me. Uh, I'll introduce you to my family a little bit, get some pictures, show you our building and, and what the Lord has done for us in the past 20 years. And thank you so much for the opportunity uh, to uh, be here and do this. I want to thank Pastor Fury for being my friend after all the things I've said to him and about him in his presence and not in his presence. And uh, it all gets back to him. But uh, I felt so bad at that camp. I said, I've never heard him preach. And I was dead serious. And he stood up like he didn't, this was at the beginning of camp. So he walked up to the public and like, well, those two conferences, I preached at them. I went back to my office after camp. I was not in my office 10 minutes and I found two booklets from the last two conferences. And I turned to the Tuesday page and I had a full page of notes from both sermons. A full page. I had not only listened, I had taken notes. But I've come to the conclusion that I only have so much memory space. So anything that I can write down, I don't need to remember. So I wrote it down so I'd have it forever. So I wouldn't have to just remember up here all the important things you said. It's written down on paper and there forever. But uh, I appreciate him so much. He's been such a good friend and... uh, He's uh, been keeping tabs on me because he knows uh, I'm not allowed off the island very often. So while I've been up here, he's been checking in with me just about hourly to make sure I'm okay, and I appreciate that. And uh, it's, uh, We've had a good time. I-, I squirreled my daughter away from college for a-, a day just to have a little road trip, so we had a, a nice time yesterday. We only got lost once or twice coming down. wasn't I thought I lived at the end of the world. I was driving forever to get here yesterday. But I was crawling along at 30 kilometers an hour on Canada's busiest highway. I'm like, really? This is a highway? Come on, I can drive faster than this. I have three roads in my town and only one and a half traffic lights. So it was a bit of an adjustment to drive on all these highways yesterday. But I, uh, I appreciate what you have done for us over the years. This is my family. Uh, my wife, Sarah, is uh, there in St. John's today. A friend of mine uh, went to my church in Marystown to preach today and lead a service. My wife... And two or three youngest kids are there. Uh, Joshua is our oldest. He's up there on the back uh, with me. He's living on his own now working in St. John's. Uh, Amy is here uh, with us. Uh, Carly is uh, 15 years old in grade 11. Levi is seven and Kalen is four. And uh, they are just a barrel of fun. All of those kids. Uh, We are living in uh, Newfoundland. We are, uh, if you see over there where that airplane is by St. John's, that is close to the most easterly point of North America. And uh, we are about three hours away from that. We're down on what's called the Buran Peninsula, the red, uh, we call it the boot because it's kind of shaped like a foot down there. And we live kind of on the heel of that boot. And uh, we have been there. Uh, We went there. Thinking the Lord was going to take us somewhere else in Newfoundland, He directed us to Marystown, and uh, we've just uh, tried to be faithful there. And uh, when we moved there, we had, we didn't know anybody. We didn't know anybody in the town. I'd never been to the town other than to visit a little bit. And we looked around for a building, couldn't find a building. So we moved into town and just started looking at buildings and praying about it and trying to find something. In the meantime, my father-in-law, Pastor Lynn Holman, some of you may know him, he was working at Faithway Baptist College and church uh, at the time. And he was bringing a group of college students out to Newfoundland to help run vacation Bible schools at churches. And he said, would you like us to come and help you? I'm like, well, we haven't done anything yet. We're, we're still trying to find a building. We haven't had a church service. But I said, I'll see if we can line something up. So I found a little community center that allowed us to use a room in uh, their building. So in July of 2003, we had our first vacation Bible school in the basement of that building. That's uh, missionary Joshua Mead that was there as a college student. And uh, we had a a morning program at the community center. We had an afternoon program uh, that's in the backyard of my house. And uh, we went Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then Sunday morning, we invited all the kids to come and bring their parents back to the community center. And we had scooters to give away. Pastor Holman had brought some scooters to the kids that had earned the most points. And in fact, uh, the little fellow in the red shirt, I talked to him the other day. He's uh, got a little boy of his own and he... We still have contact. He doesn't come to our church, but we still have contact with him. But that Sunday morning, we had over a 100 people show up to that community center for our service that morning. And then we began having kind of a Sunday morning vacation Bible school at the community center until we were able to get a building. In two thousand two, while we're on deputation, we went to Marystown to look around. And I said, I'm going to take pictures of all the buildings that I look at and I'll pray over it and ask the Lord to give us a building that we can use as a church building, make look like a church. That was back in the day when you had the camera with the film in it, you take a picture and you wait two weeks before you can see what the picture looks like. Well, I looked at five or six buildings in that week, but I only took my camera once. I actually remembered to bring the camera with me to take a picture of a building. And I took a picture of this building That's what it looked like in September of 2002. It was a seven-day Adventist school building, and it was empty at the time, and uh, they had a sign on it for a lease or rent, so I said, well, we'll pray about it and see what happens. I looked at a couple other places. When we went back, they were trying to sell the building, and they said, we have given someone 90 days to raise the money, they're trying to get some government funds to turn it into seniors' housing. We're 30 days in, and I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll wait. So I waited the 60 days. In the meantime, I talked to some pastors and got some counsel, and they all said, try to buy the building. I'm like, well, we still haven't had a church service. And I said, we'll see what we can do. So when the 90 days were up, I called them back and said, "Uh, we're in a position that we'd like to buy the building. So they said, we'll make an offer. So I made an offer, and they didn't respond to my offer at all. They came back and said, we're listing it with a real estate agent Monday morning. I offered $77,000. They said, we're listing with a real estate agent for $125,000. So he told me the real estate agent. I went there Monday morning and said, hey, I hear you got a building up for sale. He's like, how'd you know that? I'm like, I just know you have it up for sale. I want to make an offer. And uh, we, we made a, an offer on the building and we purchased it. Uh, we made an agreement to buy it and I was going to pay rent until we were able to get our financing in place. Our rent would go towards our mortgage and all those things. So we, we had it all together. We planned our first services. I'll tell you about those in a minute. Uh, but in the meantime, I went to banks, and I was trying to raise money to, uh, to purchase this building. I was trying to get a mortgage. Uh, I went to one bank, and they said, "Well, you only have 10% for a down payment. You need 30% because it's a commercial mortgage. Fine. I've sent a prayer letter to our supporting churches. Within a month, we had 30%. Uh, We came to an agreement for $95,000. We had $10,000 in the bank that we had raised as missions uh, ministry support, so we're going to put that towards the building. Within a month, other churches had helped us, uh, given us another $20,000, and we had our down payment. That bank initially agreed to give us the money, then decided not to. Then uh, I went to another bank, and they said no. On the day that I was going to go to a third bank, just kind of on a wing and a prayer, a pastor called me. And he said, I hear you're having trouble with the banks. I said, yeah. He said, how's it going? I said, well, I'm going to my third one today, but I don't have much hope. He said, well, if whatever happens when you get back from that bank, call me. It was the pastor of this church at the time. I called him after. I said, that bank said no. He said, well, my church and my deacons, we've agreed we'd like to loan you the money. I said, that's great. He said, I'm one condition. I said, what's that? He said, we want to see how's it going, what you're doing out there. I said, fantastic. When can you come? He said, I'm coming Thursday. <laughs> I said, okay. So he came out and uh, he looked it all over. We drove around town. I preached Sunday morning. He gave a testimony and he went back to St. John's uh, Sunday afternoon and flew out Monday. We made an agreement and this church loaned us $65,000. We had an eight year mortgage and God helped us pay it off in five years. All we did was pay our monthly payments. Other churches stepped in and churches like this one that helped us and paid off that mortgage in five years. And uh, I have been ever since that time wanting to stand here and say thank you. And some of you may have been here, some of you may not, some of you may be news to you, some of you, I don't know. But this church has had a huge impact on the ministry of Marystown and on my family. And I thank you. We decided to uh, have our first service on September 11th of 2003. So that was Monday past was our actual anniversary. Last Sunday, we had our 20th anniversary But those meetings, we had six churches uh, come help us, some from as far away as Florida, some from Ontario and and Newfoundland. We had 70 people from the community. We had all these kids that we had contact with through our vacation Bible school we'd had in July that when we started in September, we'd go back with two or three vans Sunday morning and pick up uh, these kids and uh, we'd bring them to church. And uh, we we still have contact with people that uh, came to those opening meetings. We still have people that come to our church that attended those opening meetings. We've tried to, my prayer when we went there was to have a building that we could make look like a church and use any anytime we wanted. I never dreamed we would buy a church. I thought we'd rent something, And but God gave us the church, so we have tried our very best to make it our best tool for reaching our community. So we've done a bunch of work on it. We've uh, put new roof on it, put new shingles. We had a group of men come from, uh, new Brunswick from a church to come and help us reshingle the roof in 2005. We put all new windows uh, in the whole building. We put new doors in the building. Uh, a church gave us this letterboard sign. And I have people still today telling me, we make a special trip every week or so past your church so we can read your sign. So I try to put interesting things on there. I put announcements on there. I put jokes on there. I put sayings on there. And I've, I've sat in a hockey locker room and men have said to me, Boy, some of those messages, they get you right here. Never been to my church, but they read the sign. So God can use anything. We started in one room uh, in the building, and uh, had our church services in there. And uh, uh, the church, the men that came to help us from New Brunswick, they, he, one of the men made a special trip down to bring us these pews from their church, and we used them till they were pretty much worn out. Then we decided to take a wall out <clears throat> so we could make our auditorium a big bit bigger in the summer of 2006. And uh, we had a couple of college students there for a week that they were helping. And last Sunday, I showed this picture in our church. That's my oldest son, Joshua, and that's Amy. But if you could see my two younger children, Levi and Kalen, people in my church saw this picture and thought it was Levi and Kalen until I told them this is Joshua and Amy from however many years ago. It's incredible. It hurts my head to look at them, uh, how much they look alike. But we uh, took that wall out. We renovated our auditorium and uh, just made it all one room, tried to make it look as nice and comfortable as we can. We've got some new chairs in there that, that we put a baptistry room up there behind us. Uh, we've done some other things. I'll just show you this picture. There's a gentleman there that has helped me. He got saved our first year or so that we were there. He still attends our church, and uh, I have learned so much from him. And he told me the other day, he said, we've learned from each other. He said, you've taught me the Bible. He's taught me a lot of carpentry work, and a lot of, he's helped me with so many projects uh, around the around the building. So that's pretty much how our building looks right now. And uh, the Lord has just blessed us so much. And I wanna thank this church for helping us have this building in Marystown, fully paid for and pretty much renovated uh, inside and, and looking good on the outside. And uh, it's a, a great tool of the Lord. I'll just show you a couple of real things. We won't be long. The Lord has given us this bus and we wore it out. Uh, the Lord gave us that bus and we wore it out. We use it uh, in our Christmas parades. Uh, the Toa thing. We had a third vehicle. We wore out two of those, and a man that attended our church said, if you can pay the insurance on a 15-passenger van, I'll buy it for you. And uh, he bought us a 15-passenger van. We wore that out. Vacation Bible School is by far our biggest outreach every year. Uh, We still do Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, sometimes Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And Sunday morning, we have the closing rally, invite the kids to bring their parents. And uh, we always have visitors. We have a great group of... uh, Always have a great group of parents that come, and it's a great opportunity to share the gospel with them. Uh, I kept that picture in as little Johnny years ago. It was the only way I could get him to be quiet. I said Johnny, "Come up here and help me." I was teaching. I was telling the story of Gideon down at the river, taking a drink out of the river, and he had to help me. It was the only way I could get him to sit still during the service. So he was up there and helped me. Uh, Oh, wait, now I hit the wrong one. Here we go. There's some more vacation Bible school pictures just from a few years ago. I had to keep that one in there to embarrass Amy. She was our mascot over the last few years. Uh, we've done lots of things with the kids. Good outreach. Uh, on our 15th anniversary, we were sent from Greater Vancouver Baptist Church. Pastor Gordon Connor. I worked with him for a few years before we went back to Newfoundland. I just saw him yesterday. We had a nice chat. had not seen him in a while. Uh, And uh, he came for our 15th anniversary. That gentleman over there was our uh, provincial representative at the time. He brought us a certificate from the uh, government congratulating us. Some of the children in our Uh, nursery. When I went to Newfoundland, I have an aunt that told me, if you're going to do anything in Newfoundland, you got to do something for the young people. And I really appreciate what Brother Roberts had to say here this morning. And I got another comment about to make it later. But we have tried to reach the young people. We've tried to do something. We've had paint nights for them. We do a youth hour Wednesday night at six o'clock. I think they got cookies on their head there. They're trying to get to their mouth. And without touching them, uh, we play games and we have a Bible study time. We have, do you still have riot in, in Ontario, the revival in Ontario teens? I got that idea from up here. We have a rant, revival among Newfoundland teens. Rant is a good Newfoundland word. We haven't done it for a few years, the whole COVID thing, but we're going to start those up again. But all the, the young people uh, from different churches get together. We started having a summer camp in 2006 for the teenagers, and it's kind of grown into a teen and family camp. That's what your pastor came to preach uh, for us, and uh, we just had a great time when he was there. And uh, this past summer, we this I think the next three pictures here are this past summer. That was we have a kids program in the morning, and we have a, an adult program in the morning, adult session, and we have a teen session in the morning. So that was our groups from this summer. And uh, the Lord's just given us many opportunities to share the gospel. We've tried uh, to reach out to our community. Uh, we we're involved a little bit with our fire department. They came to our church a few years ago, and they came again last year on Fire Prevention Sunday. They'd like to have a church service to start the week. They came to our church, and uh, we got involved with their junior firefighter program as a sponsor which basically means twice during the program, I buy snacks, coffee and donuts and hot chocolate. And when they're doing their day drill, they catch a car on fire and teach, the, teach teenagers how to put out a fire, give them the basics of firefighting. But uh, we have become a sponsor with that and it, just, it gives us some great exposure in the community and it gives us another outlet in which to uh, be a testimony to people. We had a search and rescue group come in uh, one time and uh, made a small donation to the organization to help them Every year we put a float in our Christmas parade and in the next community and theirs, and we try to give out gospel tracts. We haven't done it every year, but uh, uh, we hope to do it again this year. One year we did a a parade of lights. Uh, We were doing a monthly luncheon for a while. We had a great—I kept this picture in because the gentleman in the red shirt over on that corner just passed away Uh, a couple weeks ago. I did his funeral, and uh, it's real interesting that I— He passed away, he asked that I would do his funeral because he said, I want you to tell my family how to get to heaven. He told me that several years ago. And he passed away suddenly and last Sunday morning when we had church, his daughter came to church. She said, I'm coming to honor my dad. And I had left that picture in on purpose just for my church people, but she was there and uh, she sat in the chair next to where he always sat during church and we had a meal last Sunday and she stayed and she sat in the chair next to where he is right now and uh, we were able to encourage her a little bit. Uh, The Lord has given us over the years, uh, I was keeping track how many people we've had attend our church. I was keeping track of how many people had gotten saved as a result of our service and I've kind of gotten away from those numbers. So I can't give you those statistics but I know there are people that have prayed and asked Jesus to be their Savior. And the only reason they have done that is because churches like this one has allowed me and my family to be able to live in that place and preach the gospel. We haven't done everything right. We haven't done everything we should have done. We've probably done some things we shouldn't have done. But God has allowed us to let some people hear the gospel and some people have been saved. And I want to thank you for what you have done for us. That's pretty much what our building looks like now. And, uh, if you just hold that picture in your mind. And I want to thank Bethel Baptist Church for helping us fulfill the Lord's command to fish for men. Uh, the one man there is casting a what do they call a cast net. He's looking for capelin, little small fish. The other one is one on a May 24th weekend. I took some of the young people up uh, fishing and I managed to fish a little bit myself. Uh, never really caught anything, but I was trying. But This church has had a huge impact on our ministry, uh, on our family, and I want to thank you for your faithful support. I want to thank your pastor for his friendship, and I thank you for this opportunity today to be here. And uh, I I hope I'm able to help you from God's Word uh, today, as we're going to spend just a few minutes in the Scriptures. Uh, And uh, I have to be honest, I I struggled with what to preach today. I. I, uh, I am self-diagnosed with problems. <laughs> and uh, I, I told your pastor, I said, I would rather preach a full week somewhere so I can carry on a series, but to pick one message, because I don't know most of you. We've met some of us here and there. I've known some of you for a very long time. and uh, But I don't know what you need. I told the Sunday school class this morning, I, I don't know all your needs and, and, and what you're going through and, and how... So how I can help you today. So normally in a situation like this, the Lord gives me a little something that uh, I, I need for me to help me. It's, at camp, I usually, I spend a lot of time with the teenagers. So uh, usually at night, whenever all the adults are getting ready for bed, I'm doing night games with the teenagers, but I call it my therapy session. We sit with the teenagers, and I start going on about all the things that irritated me that day. And I talk about this and just whatever, just for a bit of fun. I, I, I poke a bit of fun at myself and whatever. But I call it my therapy session. So this is going to be kind of like a, a therapy session for us this morning. All right, I, you're going to get to listen in while I talk through some things, and I hope that God's word is going to help you. Is that fair enough? And uh, there's a I I had fully intended this morning to uh, preach to you about fishing for men because uh, uh, as I ended off with that slide, I like to use that one. This slide, or these pictures that I put together, I started this, I don't know, probably 15 years ago. I'd go to a church and give a report, so I put a few pictures in, and every year I'd add a few and take a few out. So this has changed from year to year, but it's basically the same. And I always end with, because Newfoundland is known for fishing and, and those things. So I was going to do that this morning. But there's a phrase that, as I was praying for the Lord to show me what I could help you with today or how I could be helped, I guess. And uh, there was a phrase that came to mind in Zechariah. So if you want to find Zechariah in your Bible. It might take you a few minutes. It's going to take me a little while. Zechariah chapter 9. I'm going to lay this aside so I don't cause any more trouble. I found Habakkuk. There it is. Zechariah chapter number 9. I was, as I said, I was praying and asking the Lord to help me to show me this morning something uh, that <clears throat> would be a help. And the Lord usually will help if you, try, if you ask him. And this morning I went to the Sunday school class. I was going to teach for, uh, I took Brother Judge's class, and he allowed me to teach. But he had a little something to say first. And, and i be honest, I missed most of it. Because he started with a verse, I tried to write down the reference, but I, I missed it. It's in First or Second Peter. But he talked about that lively hope. A lively hope. I want you to notice a phrase in Zechariah chapter 9. Go to verse number 9. Says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass, and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. And I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim, and the horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace unto the heathen, and his dominion shall be from sea to sea, and from the river, even unto the ends of the earth. As for thee also by the blood of thy covenant, I have sent forth thy prisoners out of the pit wherein is no water. Turn you to the stronghold, ye prisoners of hope. Even today do I declare that I will render double unto thee. Prisoners of hope. Brother Roberts stood here this morning and, and, and talked about reaching young people, teaching young people, because they will not forget it when they're old. It's our duty as a church. It's our duty. I, I found it's our duty as pastors, as parents, as adults. We are to bring people from immaturity to maturity. My duty as a dad is to bring my children from immaturity to maturity to help them to grow. My duty as a pastor is to help the Christians in my church to come from spiritual immaturity to maturity. And as a church, we are to help children grow. And uh, he said, you know, we need to help these children. And I'm going to pick on you for just a moment, but I won't try to embarrass you. Miss Carla over here, uh, she helped this, you helped train these choir. Years ago, when I was just a very young man, she was a little girl, and my dad drove the Sunday school bus. And we'd go to her house every Sunday and pick her up on the Sunday school bus. That's 40, 35 years ago, probably. And last Sunday, we had our 20th anniversary anniversary.
0: Because of hope.
1: The Lord Jesus Christ gives hope. And you know, I, I don't know, you don't know how many people this church has impacted. How old is this church now? 91 years you imagine how many people have passed through the doors of this church, not specifically this building, but Bethel Baptist Church in 91 years that have heard the gospel and been saved? You have no idea. I have no idea how many people have heard the gospel in Marystown or the Bureau Peninsula because I have preached it and they have been saved. I don't know, and I won't know until I get to heaven. But there is hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the hope that we speak of is, it's not a—and i I'm sure if you have asked anyone, are you going to heaven? Well, I hope so. I hope so. That's not the hope that we were talking about this morning. Hope by its definition in the Bible is a confident expectation in a certain outcome. A confident expectation in a certain outcome. Now I can say, I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow. And it may or may not rain. I hope it won't rain. But I can also say, I have the hope that the sun is coming up tomorrow. Because I know if the Lord carries his, or tarries his coming, the sun will come up. In fact, it's so reliable that they can predict it for days and years from now what time the sun will come up each day. I have the hope tomorrow morning that if the Lord doesn't come back tonight, the sun will rise tomorrow. I have a confident expectation in a certain outcome that our sun will rise tomorrow. And I have the hope the confident expectation of a certain outcome in Jesus Christ. We are prisoners. Of hope. Now, years ago, I was invited by a police officer to become the chaplain for our local detachment of the RCMP, and I, I jumped at that opportunity and privilege, and I really enjoy trying to help the the officers, and I talk with them and pray for them. Uh, through that process, they asked if I would be a guard. They have a few jail cells in the back, kind of a remand thing, if they bring someone in until they have court, and they were looking for guards, and they asked if I would be interested, and I talked to the staff sergeant, and he said, I think it'll be great if you're going to work with them as chaplain to work something side by side with them to see the job. And you can, if you're here at midnight and it's quiet, you can sit down and talk to the, to, the, to the officers or even talk to the prisoners. In fact, the staff surgeon at the time gave me a stack of Bibles. He said, if any of the prisoners ask for them, you give it to them. I've had the opportunity to stand at a prison cell door with that little hatch down there and pray with prisoners. Not, I haven't been able to lead anyone to the Lord, but I've had a chance to share the gospel and pray with them. But they are prisoners. They are locked up they are behind a steel door that is dead bolted closed, and they can't get out. They are prisoners to that jail cell. There is hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are prisoners. We are locked up in that hope that one day we will see him face to face, as your pastor has said over and over this morning. We are prisoners to the fact that we have a hope. If you know Jesus as your Savior this morning, you have a confident expectation in a certain outcome, that you will spend eternity with Jesus in heaven. Now, this passage, just for a little bit of background, the context of it is there was judgment coming on Jerusalem's enemies. Verses 1 through 7 of chapter 9, uh, there was a a prophecy, and it kind of came to fruition in the course of the victories of Alexander the Great uh, that uh, He had destroyed some things, but there was judgment coming on Jerusalem's enemies. And in verse number 8, there is justice for Jerusalem. Somewhere along the line, it seems like Alexander the Great agreed to leave Jerusalem and let the Jews live their own lives. God allowed that man to punish all of Israel's enemies and leave them alone. So then we get to verse 9, and and it talks about the Lord Jesus Christ coming uh, meek and lowly, uh, sitting on that donkey, coming into Jerusalem, and people sang his praises. And that prophesied his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and of course uh, set into motion all the events that led to his death and his burial and, and resurrection. But he says here in this passage, Turn you to the stronghold, ye prisoners of hope. He said you were locked up, you are chained to the hope that is Jesus Christ. There is hope for salvation. Now we're going to leave Zechariah and I want you to go to Acts chapter 26 this morning. Acts chapter 26. In Acts chapter 26, Paul has become a prisoner. Paul is a prisoner and standing before authorities to give account of his actions. I don't want to read all the verses. Verse number six. I guess we'll go to verse number five. He said, which knew me from the beginning if they would testify that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of, Of the promise made of God unto our fathers, unto which promise our 12 tribes instantly serving God day and night, hope to come. For which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. Paul is talking about the hope of salvation. He was a prisoner because he had preached salvation, but he was saying, I am a prisoner to hope. I am called into question today for my hope, my confident expectation in a certain outcome that I have placed my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only hope of salvation. Jesus is the only way, the truth. And the life. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And we live in a world today that has been told so many times, all you have to do is be good, we're all going to heaven anyway. That's not the truth. The truth is it's only through Jesus Christ. He is the hope of salvation. Hebrews chapter 6 says that hope is an anchor for the soul. I mean, if you're tied to an anchor, you're a prisoner. <laughs> you're locked up. You can't go anywhere. If you've got the hope of salvation, you are a prisoner to that hope. You are tied to that hope, and you are captivated by that hope. You are looking forward to the day to stand in his presence. Paul said, I am called today to stand judged for this hope. I am a prisoner to the hope. Paul didn't feel like he was a prisoner to King Agrippa. He said, I'm prisoner to that hope. You say, because I'm going to stand before God someday, and if God wants me to go through this, I'll go through this. If God wants to set me free, God will set me free, but I am prisoner to the hope. I am tied to that hope that Jesus Christ is my Savior. He is the hope of my salvation, the anchor of my soul. And he who had put people in prison for that hope was now a prisoner to that hope. He said... I am, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, verse 2, because I shall answer for myself this day. He said, I will stand. He said, I persecuted people that believed this. I put people in prison who believed this, but now I am a prisoner to that hope. I am tied to that hope, and I'm never going to let it go, and it's not going to let me go. Do you know the hope of salvation today? Do you have that anchor for the soul. The winds of the world are blowing and things are changing and things are always in an upheaval and there's so much going on, but Jesus is the anchor. He is that hope, that confident expectation and a certain outcome in salvation. But you know what else he is? Not only the hope of our salvation, but he's the hope of our churches. Matthew 16 and verse 18, I'm sure you know it. Jesus said, I will build my church. I will build it. Now he uses people and sometimes we fail and I feel I have failed many more times than I have succeeded in trying to help grow a church in Mary's time, but it's God who builds the church. And the Bible says the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Satan is strong, but he's not as strong as God. He has no authority against God's ordained vehicle to get the gospel into the world. And Satan cannot defeat this church. Satan, this the gates of hell cannot withstand the preaching of the gospel from this church. It's God's promise. And we are strengthened by that hope. We're still in Acts chapter 26. Look down in verse... Uh, 15. This is Paul, now Saul, when he was struck down on the Damascus road, and he said in verse 15, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins an inheritance among them, which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, notice in verse 19, whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus, and at Jerusalem, and through all the coasts of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. He said, I have the hope of salvation. I met Jesus on the Damascus road and I put people in prison for that hope, but now I am prisoner to that hope. And not only now am I prisoner to that hope, I'm prisoner to the hope of my salvation and the hope of the churches. He said, I went to Damascus and Jerusalem and through all Judea and then to the Gentiles preaching the gospel so churches could get started. And Paul started churches all over his known world and wrote letters back to them and encouraged them and visited them because the preaching of the gospel through the local church was the hope of Jesus Christ forgiving people of their sins and changing their life. Jesus is the hope for this church. He is the hope for my church. He is the hope for any church that preaches the gospel. It's Jesus who is the hope, and we are prisoners to that hope. We are anchored in the Lord Jesus Christ. We can't go anywhere else. There is nowhere else to go. Where else shall we go, Peter said. Who else has the words of eternal life? It's only Jesus Christ. He is the hope of our salvation. He is the hope for our churches, and he is the hope for our lost and dying world. Verse 21 of Acts 26, Paul said, For these causes the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Having therefore obtained help from God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles." He said, Jesus is the hope. Jesus, who died on the cross and was buried and rose again, he is the hope of salvation. Paul said, I am preaching that to everybody, to the small and the great. Paul was standing before a king preaching the gospel. But if he had had a small child there, he would have explained it to the small child. The small and the great. If he had found someone just in the community that had no social standing, had no riches to give, nothing, he would have told them, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the hope that you are a sinner, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, that there is a a penalty for your sin, and that penalty is death. And if you don't want to die for your own sin, you have to ask Jesus for forgiveness and accept his payment for your sin. Why do we continue to preach the gospel? Because Jesus is the only hope for people to be saved. Why do we continue to show up on a Sunday morning and and sing praises to God and teach young children? Because Jesus is the hope of every person. We are prisoners to that hope. He is uh, the hope of every person today that is hooked on drugs. Drugs are a big problem. They're here. They're in our community. Drugs are a problem. But drugs are not the problem. The problem is sin. The problem is people haven't found satisfaction in Jesus Christ. They have not had their sins forgiven. They don't know the fullness of the Lord Jesus Christ. They don't have the hope of Jesus. They have a, boy, I hope I'll feel better if I take this. They don't have, I know I will stand in God's presence because I've trusted him as my savior. They don't have that hope. And I I pray this morning that you are a prisoner of hope. Why do we do all these things? It's the hope that's in Jesus. Jesus. Why do we keep showing up? Why do we keep preaching the gospel? Why do we keep handing out tracts? Why do we bother with Christmas cantatas? Why do we go with children's programs? Why are we sending buses out into the community? Why are we showing up early to prepare music? Because Jesus is the hope of the world, and we got to get the message out there. Why do we keep live streaming our services? Because people are watching. People that may never darken the door of our churches can find this on the internet, and they can hear the gospel and be saved. We are prisoners to the hope that we are serving our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And one day we'll stand in his presence and we'll praise him face to face. But until then, we're prisoners to that hope and we're going to keep serving him. And I thank Bethel Baptist Church for being prisoners to that hope. Every Sunday you show up and you sing God's praises and you give of your tithes and offerings and you help people like me. And all the other missionaries you support, preaching the gospel in a place where you're not called to go and may never get to see. But there are people that one day will walk up to you in heaven and say, I am here because you helped someone come and tell me about the gospel. Prisoners to the hope. Zechariah said, Ye prisoners of hope, run to the stronghold. I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what your problems are. I don't know what you need. But if you're here and you've never asked Jesus to be my, to your Savior, can I tell you, run to the stronghold. Run to Jesus. He's, he's got the answers. He's got the hope. He's got the eternal life. It's a very simple thing. You admit that you're a sinner. You believe the Lord Jesus Christ is God, who died on the cross, was buried, and rose again to pay the penalty for your sin. And you confess the fact to Jesus Christ, I am a sinner You are God who died for me. I trust you alone for my salvation. I keep saying it all over and over. It's not magical. It's spiritual. It's a conversation between you and God telling him you're a sinner and you accept his payment for your sin. If you're here this morning and you've never prayed that prayer, it's very simple. You can pray right where you sit right now. At the end of this service, you can take time in the invitation time to pray and ask Jesus to be your Savior. If you don't understand it well enough, stick around after and ask somebody, hey, can you show me how to be saved? You'll have hope. Not the boy, I hope I'm going to heaven. You say, I have the hope that when I close my eyes in death, I will open them to look on my Savior, Jesus Christ. A certain outcome. Confident expectation in that certain outcome. If you're here this morning you say, I've asked Jesus to be my Savior, I know that hope. Well, hang on to that hope. Don't quit. I know sometimes we get tired. Sometimes we get disillusioned. Sometimes we get discouraged. Sometimes I say, you know, I don't know if I'm doing anything or not. If you're serving the Lord, you're doing it. The results don't matter on this earth as far as we're concerned. It results to the, we leave that to the Lord Jesus Christ. But be faithful. Be prisoner to the hope. He is the hope of salvation. He is the hope of our churches. He is the hope of our entire world. It's all in Jesus Christ. So put your faith in him this morning and serve him faithfully. And let that hope fill your life. Let Jesus strengthen you We'll praise him for what he does. Our Heavenly Father, as we come to the end of this service today. We pray, Lord, that whatever we needed from the Scriptures, you were able to give to us today. Lord, I thank you so much for this church and how they have helped me and encouraged me uh, over the years. And I thank you for Pastor Fury and his friendship. And Lord, I pray this morning that your word has found a resting place in our hearts. And uh, Lord, I pray today that we would be prisoners to the hope that can only be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you have worked in hearts. We praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.